The following presentation was recorded at the Newbury Buddhist Monastery, Victoria, Australia. Please visit our website at nbm.org.au. Yes, this is Ajahn Nisarana from Newbury Buddhist Monastery. And uh, uh, as, as Langdon mentioned, I've just returned from Ajahn Brahm's uh, monastery in Western Australia. For, I've been there for the three months rains retreat, which we have. There's a rains retreat every year, meditation retreat. And it was wonderful. It was very, I was very happy to be here when I was there in Western Australia. And uh, um, it also, when I stayed, uh, I stayed, um, I was very happy to be here because Ajahn Brahm was there, the, the monastery, a large community of monks. And the hut I stayed in was dedicated to my mother, to the memory of my mother who passed away in 2005. And what more, I was a passenger. This is a very useful thing for meditation, <laughs> to be a passenger um, and to bring up that perception of not having many responsibilities or duties just while we're meditating particularly. And I returned to um, Newbury last Wednesday night. So I've only been here a short while. And of course, there's always some dukkha from change, change of environment. We call it viparinama dukkha, more duties and colder, etc. But I am happy to be here too. Uh, such a beautiful place and many Dhamma friends. And I can contribute to the monastery and the Buddhist community. So uh, we, we need to be happy to be here wherever we are. Happy to be here now is the theme for this tonight's talk, uh, whether it's exactly the way we wish it to be, would like it to be or not. But of course, this happy to be here now has to be genuine. It can't be anything sort of uh, uh, a pretense or trying to fool ourselves. So the um, happy to be here now, this will be the theme of the meditation. And I'll probably speak for at least 10 or 15 minutes, and then we will start with a 45-minute uh, meditation. But the importance of having a, a positive emotion is, is a very useful support for them, for the meditation and for our daily life too. So it's something, it's a good skill to learn how to, how to bring these up. We don't actually turn them on or cause them, but we can see the triggers for them in our lives and in our meditation. And when we can develop that, um, in our meditation in particular, it really gives fuel to the meditation. It really can take off and go deeper. And uh, this, this is, the, the uh, of course, when we are, are happy to be here now, this is contentment and inner joy and happiness. So these are great um, ingredients for um, fueling the meditation, to color the meditation object and make it, much more attractive and interesting so that the mind can stay with it. And of course, uh, and if it stays with the meditation objects and this evening, the breath long enough in the automatic process of gladness giving rise to rapture, this is called piti or sometimes called joy, but rapture gives it a, a much stronger feel, which is, it is, it's, it's quite an extraordinary experience. And then tranquility, 
And this is tranquility of body and mind, giving rise to happiness or contentment, we could say, and then stillness. And this is the mind coming together. So this really, it's very useful to develop these wholesome emotions in our meditation and use that to recondition our minds for daily life, not just use it while we're on the cushion. And of course, contentment or any wholesome emotion really overcomes or reduces the hindrances, the five hindrances that block meditation and they block insight. It's the same. It's the, and this, of course, is the essence of the Buddha's path is letting go of or avoiding letting go of negative, um, negative thoughts and emotions and developing and maintaining positive thoughts and emo emotions, mind states, really. And uh, so one could say, and I think uh, some people, when you hear the word contentment, it may not bring up. Um, a feeling and of course the feeling of happy to be here is contentment and uh, and the, the the buddha says in the dhammapada he says contentment is the greatest wealth and it is you know no matter what else even if we're very poor if we're content uh, we're very wealthy and very uh, in a sense comfortable with ourselves and it reminds me of uh, Ajahn Brahm saying, of course, happiness or contentment is not having what you like, it's liking what you have. Isn't that great? Happiness is not having what you like, it's liking what you have. It's something we're not used to a lot of the time. So what is the feeling, how, what, uh, what is the feeling of contentment? And of course, different things arouse it for us, but one of the things that I find uh, very useful for bringing up contentment is, you know, a, a beautiful Buddha statue. Some of them have such a, a wonderful uh, smile that's, that gives a sense of inner contentment and peace. One of my favourites is a, a Buddha statue I saw in a museum in Paris well, many years ago. It's a Cambodian one, and it's just got this beautiful smile that's got this inner quality, even though it's on the uh, statue. So this is this is something we we are all familiar with this feeling of contentment, but we maybe are not encouraging it as much as we could. And it's a feeling of being satisfied, of having enough, not wanting anything, not wanting to be anywhere else. And this sort of sense of steadiness in the mind, happiness, as I mentioned, and peacefulness. And of course, this, you know, this peacefulness, we can just tell that it leads to, and happiness leads to the mind coming together, samadhi. And also contentment has a sense of acceptance of things as they are. And I know um, Ajahn Brahm these days is using contentment almost interchangeably for equanimity. Equanimity is not such a, a good word in the sense because it's very uncommon in English. But uh, it, because it, it's a sense of acceptance because it, and it avoids the extremes of excitement. People like excitement, but it's not necessarily a very, um, can be an uh, unpleasant feeling that goes with that because we're all revved up. And uh, so, and also avoids the extreme of depression or boredom. We're in the middle, the mind is balanced. Um, but 
as I mentioned, you know, uh, contentment's not an emotion that is promoted much these days. We're encouraged to feel we need so much more to be happy. We could do better. Uh, we shouldn't settle for second best. Uh, and we should get exactly what we want. Uh, and of course, this is not only in the material world, but also with ourselves, you know, and we, so often we feel we have to improve ourselves. We're dissatisfied with how we are. And it can be, of course, the body and many people, you know, uh, struggle because the body doesn't look the way they want. They, they think it's too fat or it's too thin or it's uh, too this, too that. And um, of course, that causes quite a bit of unhappiness for us. But it can be also about the state of our minds, what we more often what we call our personality uh, and those sorts of things. We want to be a, to present in a different way. We want to have different qualities in the mind. And wanting to have these different qualities is not going to change anything, is it? It's really developing the causes for change to happen. And of course, you know, this, uh, what is being promoted is really what Ajahn Brahm calls the freedom of desire. And, the, and as many of you will know who are listening to this, um, that in the Four Noble Truths, the Buddhist calls this freedom of desire really is craving or wanting tanha. And it's the source of our problems, not the answer to our problems, samudhiya. But uh, most people think, don't they, that uh, wanting, uh, craving, I guess, is their best friend and it will bring happiness to us. But in fact, and I, it is rather like drinking salty water and thinking our thirst will be satisfied. Of course it won't be. And all of us know how when we've got what we want, we often immediately, almost immediately start wanting something else. I should mention too that craving or wanting includes, you know, the negative type of uh, not wanting this, not wanting that. That's just the negative expression of wanting. And uh, Ajahn Brahm has another nice quote about this because contentment is something that he really um, promotes and encourages because he says it's a fast trap to, to enlightenment. And uh, he says, when we want something else, we can't enjoy what we already have. When we want something else, we can't enjoy what we already have. And that's so true. And this contentment, of course, is so useful in our lives, in our daily lives. And particularly um, to begin with, contentment with material things, being content with the four necessities of life, you know, food, clothing, shelter and medicine. It's amazing, actually, when you think of it, think those four things, but it covers everything that we need. <laughs> and uh, uh, contentment, the, op the, uh, uh, the, the feeling that is often promoted is we should keep up with the Joneses, you know, whatever they have, you know, our friends, our neighbours, um, whoever we, and the people we work with, so many people. Um, but I like this joke which says, don't try to keep up with the Joneses, drag them down to your level. <laughs> so that's quite fun. But of course, we can simplify our lives, which can lead to a sense of contentment. Um, 
and focus on what are our needs really, you know, rather than what we want. Often, it sounds easy, doesn't it? But often it's difficult to distinguish. And uh, I know the sense of developing this uh, sense of having enough is important because we tend to go on auto and think, oh, we need more, we need more. And of course, Ajahn Brahm uses that uh, mantra really, good enough, good enough. But if we develop contentment in our lives, I mean, we all think about how we can contribute to the environment and to the planet. This is one of the ways, actually, that we can reduce consumption for ourselves and reduce a lot of the work that we have to do in order to promote all these wants that we have. And of course, if we contend, it's much, much cheaper and we're already happy. <laughs> so I liked what Mahatma Gandhi said, that the earth provides enough to satisfy every person's needs, but not every person's greed. Isn't that good? That's really nice saying. The earth provides enough to satisfy every person's needs, but not every person's greed. But the other form of content, contentment in daily life, which is really important, is to um, be content with ourselves, uh, accept ourselves as we are now. Um, we know that uh, how we are now is not permanent, it will change, and uh, we, don't, uh, we don't have to have ourselves, we don't have to be perfect in order to be content. We'd never come to rest otherwise. We are, all of us really, are works in progress, uh, changing all the time, physically and mentally. And if we uh, focus on developing wholesome or positive states in mind, we are really watering the flower of contentment in our lives. It's so important. Actually, today I was thinking about uh, the opposite of contentment when we're dissatisfied, when we're wanting, when we're not wanting all this. And really, it just came to me that it's, a, it's actually a form of self-harming. It's not obvious to us uh, um, usually, but we can see it very easily when we see extreme cases of wanting or craving in the form of addictions. It just destroys people and they have no control over that program. Um, that addictive program that's running, you know, because it just overpowers the mind and uh, is all-consuming and leads to so much suffering in people's lives. So I'd just like to say, oh, maybe I will mention a story because they're always good, aren't they? And this is uh, Ajahn Brahm's story of the children's, uh, five children's uh, wishes. And... Uh, the children had this wishing game and uh, so they were asked now what would you wish for uh, what would uh, what would you uh, look forward to what would you want so this is encouragement of feeling isn't it of uh, desire and the first one said he would like ice cream whenever he wanted it, ice cream and um, and the second one second anyway thought well that's pretty good and the second child said well I'd like an ice cream factory, actually. Then I can have ice cream all the time and give it to my friends and uh, to whoever I like, really. So that seemed, and the first one seemed a bit uh, um, 
outmaneuvered, thought, wow, that's much better, really. And then the third one said, well, I wish for a billion dollars and uh, then I can have the ice cream factory and whatever else I like. And not to, and the, the next, next child, the fourth child, outdid that even. They would have the ice cream factory, a billion dollars, and three more wishes. <laughs> so they've got three wishes. But uh, so and then the last one, the fifth child, wished for no more wishes. And of course, this is the Buddha to be, you know, that being free from desire, free from craving. Because when we are free, we are still and we can come to uh, we can come to stillness, happiness. We we've arrived at what we are looking for. We're all looking for contentment, happiness and contentment. And uh, often people set, settle for excitement and they think that's a happiness, but in actual fact it's a, it's quite a draining experience and also tends to um, give rise to a sense of uh, needing to intensify things to keep that excitement going, so to keep keep the mind revved up. It's not a very pleasant or sustainable emotion. So I'd like to start the meditation now. And so, and this is the happy to be here now. That's an important thing to emphasize now, wherever we are now. It's always now, isn't it? <laughs> And so to be happy to be here is not easy because some situations are, are not pleasant, but we can just be happy to be here in ourselves. This is where the real home we have is inside, happy to be here now. So first of all, we can uh, come into the present. We can arrive wherever you are and come into the present, come into now. Of course, most of you are at home already, so you're not coming to a Buddhist centre. Um, but uh, it's important that we put down, let go of those things we've been doing before this meditation, whatever they be. And just let go of the past and the future. The past is history and the future a mystery. And now we can set up the body physically for the meditation, just adjusting the body to make it relaxed, as Ajahn Brahm says, relaxed to the max, and balanced, it's got that sense of relaxation, balance, and it's comfortable, important for the meditation. So just check out how the body is, see what it needs, and uh, just get in touch with the body, which is here in the present moment.
And now we can bring up an intention to be happy to be here now, to be content here and now. And no need to be any other place, just to be here. And we can develop, bring up, arouse, trigger this feeling of being happy to be here now. Just bringing to mind that phrase, I'm happy to be here now. How does it feel? Like a sense of being content, at peace, like an inner smile, feeling of being really relaxed, being among friends, not wanting to change anything. Just get into, we need to just get in touch with that feeling of happy to be here now. And we can feel the, our body and mind, our bodies and minds, with this feeling of being happy to be here now, however it feels for each of us. And we can use this feeling of being happy to be here now, to relax, relax the body mentally. And we can start at the top of the head, including the sides of the head, the back of the head, with this contentment, this warmth, this relaxation. And we can move our attention down to the forehead and give this uh, feeling of happy to be here now to the forehead, this contentment, ease, relaxation, soothing and smoothing the forehead. And moving our attention to around the eyes and giving them this warm, kind attention, ease, relaxation. And now moving the attention to the cheeks and around the mouth, the lips the chin, soothing them, relaxing them, this feeling of happy to be here now. 
And now we can move the attention to the neck, all around the neck, and soothing it, giving it this warm, kind, relaxing attention. Now bringing to mind the right shoulder, starting at the neck and moving our attention slowly along the right shoulder, soothing it, allowing the burdens of the day, the tensions of the day to melt away. Now bringing to mind the right arm, starting at the top of the right arm and moving our attention down the right arm to include the elbow, wrist and hand and fingers and slowly moving down with this kind, open, relaxed attention, soothing it like a mental massage. Now bringing to mind the left shoulder, starting at the neck and moving along the left shoulder, soothing it and releasing, letting go any tension, any tightness in the left shoulder. Now we bring to mind the left arm, starting at the top of the left arm and moving our attention slowly down the left arm to include the elbow, wrist, finger and fingers, hand and fingers, and soothing the left arm, giving it this mental massage.
and bringing to mind the back, starting just below the shoulders and moving our attention down the back with this warm, kind attention, this happy to be here now feeling, soothing any tense or painful areas, relaxing, soothing the back. Now bringing to mind the front of the body, starting just below the shoulders, moving our attention down the chest, the diaphragm area, the stomach and the abdomen. Bringing this warmth of happy to be here, soothing it, relaxing, relaxing it, caring for it. Now bringing to mind the right leg, starting at the top of the right leg, we can slowly move our attention down the right leg to include the knee, ankle, foot and toes, giving this warm uh, mental massage, using this feeling of happy to be here. Now bringing to mind the left leg, starting at the top of the left leg, moving our attention down the left leg slowly to include the, the knee, the ankle, foot and toes of the left leg, soothing them, relaxing them, giving this warmth, warm attention and kind attention to the left leg.
And now we can become aware of just the whole body sitting here in the present moment, just as it is. And we can bring up or refresh this feeling of being happy to be here. And allowing it to, this feeling to color our awareness of whatever we're experiencing in the present moment. Just becoming aware of whatever is most prominent to our attention, moment to moment. And when the breath comes to our attention, we can give this feeling of being happy to be here now to the breath, the feeling of contentment, warmth and ease. And we can breathe in this feeling of happy to be here now and breathe it out when we exhale. The feeling of being happy to be here now. Just breathing it in and breathing out. With this feeling of being happy to be here now. If the feeling uh, decreases or fades, we can bring it up by remembering what triggered it originally, what brought it up for us. Just breathing in. Happy to be here now, breathing out. Happy to the feeling of happy to be here now.
And uh, now we're coming close to the end of the meditation. <clears throat> so we can share the feeling of being happy to be here now. That feeling of contentment, ease and warmth, relaxation. With everyone participating in this guided meditation, may they be filled with the feeling of being happy to be here now. And we can expand that feeling to include our family and friends, wherever they are. May they be filled with this feeling of being happy to be here now. Real wealth, real treasure in the heart. And we can expand this feeling even further afield to all beings, wherever they are, in every realm of existence, that they too may be filled with the feeling of being happy to be here now, a sense of contentment, contentment, ease, being at peace. And now we can come back to ourselves and just reflect for a short time on the meditation. Reflect, how do I feel now? Is it different from when I began the meditation? And did I experience the feeling of being happy to be here now or not? And we can ask what triggered this feeling to arise, whatever feeling we experienced, what, what brought it up? And now we can develop the aspiration or the intention to develop the feeling of being happy to be here now as much as possible with everything we do, even with difficult things we experience in life, being content within ourselves.
and happy to be here now and to make this feeling a habit and a refuge for our minds and hearts. And we can anchor this feeling of being happy to be here now in our hearts or minds. And we can remember it at any, go back to it, refresh it at any time. We need to bring this up. And now I will ring the bell three times. So please uh, come out of meditation slowly on the third ring. Now coming back to the body, relaxing and moving it to make yourself more comfortable. Those who wish to come out of meditation and, as I mentioned, move the body to make ourselves more comfortable. And uh, I think now is the time for any questions, if there are any questions. But I'd just uh, like to say that, uh, of course, um, meditating together is very helpful in person, of course, very good. We can go deeper and we can meditate for longer, usually if we're in a group. And we hope soon to open up for in-person um, meditation and Dhamma talks at the Buddhist Centre in Buddha Loka Centre in East Malvern, maybe even next Monday. So please check out the website or if you receive the emails from the Buddhist Society of Victoria, they will announce uh, when uh, we'll be opening up. All right. So now it's uh, over to Langdon uh, to see if there's any questions this evening. Thank you very much, Ajahn. Um, at this point, there are no questions. I think everyone's still just happy to be wherever they are. Oh, so sitting in happiness um, at yeah. this point. Um, I'll just reassure our listeners um, when we do come back to the Buddha Loka Center, uh, and if for in-person guided meditations, just to reassure everyone that if you're not able to attend that, the sessions will continue to be broadcast over YouTube. So wherever you are, um, we always have some international um, attendees yeah. uh, who are very welcome and they'll still be able to attend the guided meditations. Uh, we have a very technical question that's just arrived. Mm. Uh, Ajahn? All right, that's good. Yeah, I see. Uh, so yeah. I will I will read it out to you. Um, you may also be able to see the question on your screen, Ajahn, uh, in, uh, in restream. If there's a chat, there's a chat uh, tab on the on the screen. But uh, this may help because it's quite a complex question. But I'll read it out. Yes. It says, "Namaste." How oh, yeah. to differentiate feelings, memories, perception? consciousness mental formations it's very difficult to differentiate them for me 
Oh, right, right. Um, I think actually for most of us it's not that difficult to know um, our feelings when they arise. That's what's running our lives, isn't it? Whether it's pleasant or unpleasant um, or whether it's neutral. Sometimes when it's neutral, people tend to, and if you ask them, well, uh, what are you feeling now? And they'll say, oh, nothing. <laughs> but actually the Buddha is very... Uh, this uh, scientific or tech, very accurate description. What is actually we experiencing when we experience that feeling? We say nothing is neither unpleasant or pleasant feeling. So feeling accompanies all of our uh, experiences, um, and I think that's something that stands out for people. It is the basis, isn't it? Feeling for the arising of a craving or wanting. If it's a pleasant feeling, we usually want to go for it, get more of it. If it's an unpleasant feeling, we generally react, we want to get rid of it. So that is uh, very obvious in our experience, uh, feelings. And I think very accurately, I think Ayakima and really the Buddha too was saying, feelings run our lives. It's what we run on, um, is these feelings. It's not the thoughts, it's not the theories, <laughs> uh, it's not the philosophies, it's the feelings. That's why I emphasize feeling actually. And I should um, uh, really distinguish feeling from um, sankharas. This is uh, will, Ajahn Brahm calls it will, but uh, that's where there are intentions in the mind. That's usually where the emotions we often experience, that's where they are, come up. Um, and uh, so there is a distinguishing for the Buddha. Feelings are usually what's really underpinning all our emotions. You know, when we feel a sense of contentment, that's a pleasant feeling that's underpinning it. When we feel depressed, when we feel fearful, um, then it's usually... Um, an unpleasant feeling. In anger, it's an unpleasant feeling coming up too. So feeling is, uh, I think, uh, uh, something I emphasize because it's so important. And also if we can um, work to, do, to trigger pleasant feelings in our meditation, we can allow the meditation to go so much deeper. It's very easy to stay with a pleasant feeling. Um, and we see that, you know, for all of us who have anything that we consider to be our hobby, this generates pleasant feeling very easily. And you find hours go by. People have to be dragged away from their hobbies, whatever they be, you know. So that feeling is so important. It's key. And, of course, um, Ajahn Brahm says that, uh, and I think this is a good thing to remember, that meditation is not a thinky-thinky thing. It's a feely-feely thing. Those feelings will take us deeper and they take us right into the uh, gladness, as I mentioned, and uh, this pity or joy, uh, a letting go of the body. This is usually the tranquility. Either, either it really calms down, drops away into the background, or, or, or if it's going really deep, disappear. And then this happiness that comes up when, the body is no longer impinging on our um, mind. Uh, and so then this feeling of happiness comes up. And then 
the mind can come together. So these feelings are crucial. And if, if you look at the factors, the seven factors of awakening, they're all emotional states really. I mean, sati, you could say is not, but it's it's got a very pleasant feeling to it really. Investigation of uh, mental states, um, what we're experiencing, whether it's wholesome or unwholesome, um, that can be quite pleasant, but giving rise to energy, viriya, giving rise to piti, this is this joy or rapture, giving rise to tranquility, um, this is where the body disappears, giving rise to samadhi, this one-pointedness of mind, or as Ajahn Brahm calls it, stillness, because mind's not going anywhere, it's still, it's at the still point, you might say. And then, of course, equanimity, or I like to call it acceptance, actually. So that's feeling. And, of course, uh, sanya, perception, these come up together, of course, with uh, feeling, because uh, in order to know a feeling is pleasant, you have to be able to perceive that. And, uh, and of course, uh, that will depend to a certain extent on our memories, what we consider to be pleasant or unpleasant. And uh, so uh, this gives rise, this works with the feeling. And then, of course, when we have feeling generally, then this sankara, this willing, this uh, factor of will comes into the mind. This is where the mind is actually... Uh, reacting to what experience what it experiences through consciousness these are the six consciousnesses seeing hearing smelling tasting and touching but also through thinking or not through thinking through thinking uh, through mental activity at uh, at uh, mental awareness of the mind so uh, that's the uh, so that's how they all come together and maybe because they do come together. It's sort of, you know, they have to be all there, really, because if you can't, not conscious of something, then you can't uh, perceive it, you can't feel it, and therefore you will not react to it. <laughs> so that's uh, how I'd explain that. But to be really, uh, uh, to use uh, positive, uh, pleasant feeling to, um, you know, develop the meditation and to develop that in our lives too. Because these are very portable skills we can bring to our lives and enrich our lives and find that happiness that we're searching for, which is always inside, you know, even though, you know, um, so, of, so much of the time we chase after happiness outside ourselves through our senses, um, it's really all on offer inside. And we can, that's uh, where it's happening really for all of us. Yeah. So thank you very much for that question. And is there another is there another question, Langdon, here? There is, yes. Thank you, Rajan. <clears throat> the next question is how to develop contentment or being happy to be here when we are experiencing difficult situations, for example, painful body sensations or anger towards someone, uh, anger towards oneself or somebody else. Thanks, Rajan. Thank you. Yes. No, they are difficult. They are times of difficulty. They are difficult to develop contentment with because they are such unpleasant experiences. Um, it's uh, it's not impossible for us to do that, but it's difficult because if we can separate uh, the mind from the body, for instance, where painful experiences being seen as unpleasant feeling, um, we can. Uh, 
uh, dwell, as it were, in content within ourselves, realizing the body is painful uh, at this time. We do what we can do. If we can do anything, great, do it. We have to. Um, but if we can't, to have this sort of uh, refuge of contentment inside. Because in the end, you know, the Buddha mentions this to uh, Nakala Pitta, a very old a disciple of his, who said that, uh, you know, that uh, he rarely has any, he's very old, any moments where the body is actually comfortable. And the Buddha says to him, Nakala Pitta, even though your body may be sick, may be uncomfortable, do not let your mind become sick or uncomfortable. Easy to say, but not easy to do. But when, when the mind is strong, when we have that inner sense of refuge in the mind, it's possible to, as it were, separate from it and just to see this as unpleasant feeling, not easy, but to be content with those things. It's much easier in more neutral situations to do that. And of course, when we have anger towards ourselves or somebody else, um, contentment's not on offer then. That's our reaction already to the experience. And so then, you know, when we have uh, anger towards ourselves or towards somebody else, then, then the appropriate thing is to give ourselves emotional first aid. That is meta loving kindness. We need it. We're the ones hurting. Anger is such an unpleasant emotion. It really burns us and uh, hurts us. It is self-harming in a very obvious way. But uh, often it's self-harming. But we can't see it as self-harming because we, we often think we're right or they're wrong. What they're doing is completely wrong. Of course, if they're harming us verbally or physically, then that, of course, is um, not acceptable. But uh, we need not react to it. Um, we, don't, we need not, um, as it were, harm ourselves by making our minds angry because of what someone's done or was said, realising that's their problem. We often we say that, don't we? That's their problem. But we don't really mean that. We mean it in a vengeful sense, you know. <laughs> and that's not, uh, that's not meta, if we're, or it's not equanimity or acceptance, if we say it that way. But it's actually the truth. It's actually the truth. Um, so I'd recommend this and to realise we get absolutely zero out of negative states of mind. It's self-harming, it's self-harming. But to realise um, not to blame ourselves for us, because that's the next thing people will go towards, they will say it's my fault. And that's not the case. It's just a matter of what we've focused on again and again, thought about again and again, and we've reinforced it. It's become a program that's running. And the good news is we can reprogram, but it will take time. So, for instance, if we have a very angry temperament, then by developing meta towards ourselves and then sharing it with others, little by little, we'll turn the mind away from that habit. We'll cre create a new habit. So it's actually um, something we can... Uh, do something about, but it's a gradual process because um, if you're a Buddhist, you'll realize that all this, body and mind, is non-self. But what it is, is very programmed, and the programming is happening by our attention, just as you see on the internet with the algorithm that they use, that whatever you pay attention to, whether it be, whether it be a product 
or a YouTube video, you'll get more of it, lots, lots more of it. <laughs> the more you pay attention to it, you get more and more of it. It's the same with us. So this is good news to know because it's right view and then we can uh, change the influence the programming by paying attention to something different. The Buddha's teaching and right view, paying attention to things that are wholesome, that give rise to pleasant feeling, wholesome states of mind for us. So uh, this, is, this is how we can uh, develop contentment. Not only contentment, there's so much more on offer, you know, metta, contentment, uh, joy with others, um, uh, success or good qualities, uh, compassion, karuna, and this sort of equanimity that accepts ourselves and others as we are, knowing full well this is the only way we can be at this point in time, this moment, given you know our past conditioning. Doesn't it's not permanent; it can change, but often with people, it's slow. So I hope that that answers your question. And what the situations you're talking about are definitely difficult and uh, not easy to deal with. But um, it's possible to do it, uh, to develop some wholesome, wholesome emotion or to take refuge in the mind, not to let the mind become a negative. So, you know, when we have a painful state of body, well, it's double dukkha, isn't it? We've got a painful mind as well. So it's not easy to do, but we can uh, develop this little by little. All right, thank you for that. Thank you very much, Ajahn. Um, the third question that we have tonight, we'll probably make this the last question because it's getting close to nine o'clock. Yes. Yeah. Um, dear Ajahn, tonight's practice of contentment gives very nice and tender feelings when I think about it, but my mind just wanders off as is its usual habit. How to sustain it for longer without force, Sadhu? Right. So, uh, how to, I don't know, yes. How to sustain, uh, how to sustain. those feelings, yeah. those positive feelings. Yes. Well, first of all, you know, when the mind wanders off, we shouldn't be surprised because, you know, that's what the mind usually does, you know. And really, we see it, you know, if you've got a device, um, you know, your phone, the internet or whatever, we're always flipping from one thing to another. So when the mind does that, we notice that as a usual habit, as you say there, and we don't, um, you know, become negative about it. So, and use force, you know, you know, like I really must get a hold of myself and, you know, <laughs> uh, not wander off. Because um, that force is not really uh, productive of sustainable um, happiness that gives rise to the mind coming together. Can't, can't work really because this mind is non-self. It it's not possible to force it. And what usually happens with force, of course, gives rise to tension. But the, the, the thing that I would say about why the mind wanders off is because we haven't quite found what brings up this very wholesome emotion for us. It's got to be a very good, a strong feeling. And if the feeling is really strong, then um, it's easy to stay with the breath. It's, I always call it interior decoration when we, <laughs> when we give this gift to the, the breath of a very pleasant feeling of, say, this evening, 
um, uh, this contentment. But it can be things like being very thankful, gratitude. It can be metta, as I mentioned, and other emotions. So this is the way we can actually, um, uh, without force, the mind will just be very happy to stay with it. If that feeling um, is very pleasant, because really we, it's only when the feeling isn't pleasant enough that we're looking for other pleasant feelings. For The mind does that by wandering around, you know, thinking of other things. And uh, a lot of that's just conditioned. Whatever we think about a lot, that'll tend to come up, you know. Whatever you've given attention to, that will come up. So that's, that's how I would uh, say that, Claire. So that would be my advice with that. And uh, I think... That's going to be the last question for this evening. And I'll just uh, answer, there's one there. I wonder how many people are sitting in the centre today face-to-face? -face. None. <laughs> I'm sitting at Newbury Buddhist Monastery um, in uh, near Trentham, and I'm looking at this computer screen, and there's nobody here. I forgot to invite people to come if they wish to. So there's only me, about two or three people would come, I think because a small community here at Newbury Buddhist Monastery. So hopefully soon we will be able to open up. Uh, there'll be restrictions, of course, and we have to comply with the COVID regulations. Um, but as uh, and but it'd be very nice to have that in-person contact, you know, all uh, spaced out, of course, you know, <laughs> 1.5, doesn't sound quite right, 1.5 metres apart. So. Um, that will hopefully be soon, maybe even next week. Um, I'm not sure, next Monday. So, and, and as uh, uh, Langdon pointed out, for those listening online from wherever, the, uh, the online uh, broadcast will still be continuing. So that's lovely. All right. So thank you very much for joining this evening. Thank you very much, Langdon, for making it possible. And also for Venerable Bodhi Dancha, who gave me support here. And I'd like to finish with paying respects to Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha. And you're welcome to join in if you know this chant. Araham Samma Sambuddho Bhagava Buddhang Bhagavantam Abhimadevi Swakato Bhagavata Dhammo Dhammam Namasami Supatipano Bhagavato Sawaka Sanko Sankam Namami <laughs>